Hey, girlfriends, welcome back to another episode of Girlfriends and Goals. We're your hosts, Miosha and Samaria. This podcast is a space where we'll talk about friendships, life goals, a little bit of pop culture, and all things womanhood. All right, so we're going to kick this episode off with our segment called Girlfriend Check-In. Today, our question is coming from the Burn After Writing book, and um, the question is... If I could give one thing to one person, it would be. So Miosha, what's your one thing that you would give? The one thing that I would give is a chance for not just a specific person, but anyone in my life Mm -hmm. to be able to redo something. And it could be not necessarily something that they feel bad about just the opportunity to make a different decision. Mm -hmm. And then if it is something where they've made a mistake or they regret, because some people do experience regret, if they regret what they did, if it led to a bad outcome, I'd want to offer them a chance to either go back in time or just some type of way to redo or rehash whatever happened so that it could work out in their favor in the, in the future. Throughout life, we've all experienced things where we may have wished that we'd done things differently. Even if you get to a place of peace about what has happened. Yeah. I do think that there are certain things where if you had a button or a wish where you'd be like, mm, let me see if I could go back and redo that. Yeah. Potentially a better or different result. And definitely on those things that went really wrong, those might be the things that you would choose to use that redo button on. That's interesting. Look at you giving the gift of second chances. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and hopefully, look, it would work the, the other way as well. Like I'd want to use that button to redo certain things. And it's like you figure out a way to move on and move throughout life, but There are certain moments and things where you're like, I wish I could redo this. Okay. I was going to ask you, but uh, it might be too personal, so I don't know. But I was going to ask you, oh, what's the thing that you would redo? So instead of asking that, I'm going to ask, like, if there were one year of your life that you could redo, which year? And if you want to share, like, some things, you know, you don't have to get too specific, but, um, like, some things that you would change or some areas you would change from that year. Oh, my first instinct is last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> the I whole world about 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Could the whole world just get a whole redo? Or I don't even know. That's, I don't think I wouldn't do redo 2020 because I feel like that redo is for reasons so far outside of me and outside of my control. But if I had to pick one year that I could redo, I would say, hmm. And okay, so just to add this, uh, this redo, do you have the knowledge you have now or Mm. are you just redoing it without the knowledge from today? This is a tough question because I can't say that I'm a person that has no regrets, but I feel like the way that certain things have worked out in my life, even when things in the short term may not have been in my favor Mm -hmm. as time went on, it kind of revealed like, oh, that was the way that things needed to go. Okay. I would say in this, I wouldn't name this year for any like serious reasons, but in 2011, once I finished school, I did move home to live with my parents for starting my first job out of college. And that was after me being away for, I would say, what, that was four or five years So I would pick that year because if I could redo it, I would have been more thoughtful about the time I spent with my parents. Mm. Obviously, I didn't know that I was going to be moving far away again. Mm -hmm. And as a young person, when you're 21, 22, at that time, I just wanted to hang out. I was finally out of school, so done with studying. I had a job lined up. I did spend time with my parents, obviously, because I was living with them. Yeah. But now that I'm older and 
obviously my parents are getting older and I live away again. Mm -hmm. I do wish that I had more time to be present with them in person. I would have made the most out of that year. Maybe traveled with them more, just being more thoughtful about that precious time. And it's something that I think about more now that I'm getting older and my parents are getting older, just making the most of the time that I have with them while they're here. Yeah. Um, interesting. So I think the year that I might change would be 2018. And I think the only thing that I would do is like live in the moment more. Um, so I'm like going between 2017 and 2018. Cause I think like towards the end of 2018, I started to get it. Like I started to understand mm -hmm. living in the moment, but, um, I'll go ahead and say 2018, just like living fully in the moment actually hold on do I want to yeah that that year brought a lot and so I'm like wait is that the year I want to pick but it's already been said final answer <laughs> <laughs> but to answer the original question of what's one thing that I would give and this actually is something that I thought about a few years ago so this isn't like a new answer for me um but like the one thing I would give and I would give it to every like young girl is like a, a special relationship and bond with their father. And that's based on um, obviously like my relationship with my father and just like sometimes the lack that I see when that relationship is not present. So I think it's just such an important relationship to have, like having a father who's like, oh, I value you. I actually like being around you. I think you're funny. You know, I think um, you're like wise or, you know, I like that decision that you made just like that positive reinforcement, you know, but also someone to guide and say, that move was not the right move. I think it's important to have that type of a relationship where it's like, okay, no matter what, this person still likes me because I think that could possibly uh, play like a huge role in like future partners or, you know, wherever your life might go. But just like that feeling of like being valued just for who you are. And I'll add that one of the things that I love about my friendship with Samaria is her closeness with her father. The people who know me personally know that I didn't have a close relationship with my father. And it was so impactful for me being close to you and your family and seeing how close y'all were. And that even though I didn't have that, I felt like I did because of how close you and I were. Mm -hmm. It was just by proxy. And it was so helpful and healthy for me to see that up and close of like, hey, this is what's possible. I love that. I, <laughs> yeah, I love that answer. Yeah, girl. Every Father's Day for the last like couple of years, like that thought has been like on my mind, like, man, you know, I wish like other people could like celebrate it in this way, just because like seeing the impact, you know, that that had on my life. I'm like, man, you know, um, I think everyone is deserving of that, first of all, because we don't ask to be here. So it's like, if you had a role in my being here, you need to have a role in my being here, <laughs> like <laughs> present um, in the best way. So yeah, that's my thing that I would give to people. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to jump into our topic today, which is lessons that we've learned as adults. And we'd say that this is part two. So if this is your first time listening, we covered this topic in the last episode, episode 16. However, there were many more lessons that Samira and I just didn't have the time to get to in that episode. Mm -hmm. And so Samaria, I'm going to hand it off to you for you to give us your next lesson that you've learned as you've transitioned into adulthood. Okay, so this one I learned within, I would say the next, like the next year, the last year. <laughs> uh, now we being in the future. Okay, but, uh, you're already done with 2021. <laughs> okay, like sis, pack up your bags. 2022, we ready. <laughs> but, look, we were all saying that at the end of 2020 and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> looking stupid <laughs> looking dumb <laughs> okay so this is actually something that I shared on the 
girlfriends and goals page um in the form of like a little meme a while ago but it's something that it's a lesson that I've learned more recently so it holds a lot of weight right now in my life but it's to ask for exactly what you need or what you want I think for me um that goes along with first being clear with yourself about what you want and what you need you know like if you have to do a little bit of reflection have a conversation with yourself be clear about what you want and what you need and then make sure you ask for it because um the last thing you want is to just be like oh, okay well I'm okay with whatever people throw your way and then like once you get in the groove it's like no I'm not okay with this so I think for me once I specify this is exactly what I want or what I need in my life it's easier for me to like I guess gravitate towards or spot those things that align with what I've already said and um, in the event that like it's not obvious that I'm getting that thing I will go ahead and ask for it plainly like hey this is the situation and this is what I need if the person that I'm asking can give it to me perfect. I asked for something and then I received it. But um, if the person who I'm asking cannot give that to me, one, I, I have the information that I need, like, hey, this is the wrong place to ask. But then two, that person could know where I can get the thing that I need, or at the very least, like try to compromise and work with me and say, hey, I can't give it to you now, but I can give it to you later. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of value in specifying what you want for yourself and then not being afraid to get out there and say, hey, this is what I expect. This is what I want. This is what I need um, in order for my life to go more smoothly or for me to be more fulfilled. Uh, because, you know, a lot of times they say closed mouths don't get fed. And I think that's really true because people might not know this is something that you even want until you say it, but they're way less likely to give it to you if you don't say it, you know? So that's an important lesson that I've learned and I'm still learning to execute um, sometimes. Yeah, that, that's a good lesson. I think sometimes, at least for me and I would say my young adulthood, if I was silent or not as vocal about things that I wanted or that I needed, I think some of that came from fearfulness of rejection or me not getting it. Or if I thought me asking would make someone upset. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, if I went into it with hesitancy, they'd be like, oh, well, you should have just said something. Or why are you acting weird about what you need? Or right. <laughs> <laughs> they'd meet it with a lot more openness than I thought that they would. Mm. And a lot of times it was more in my head or me psyching yeah. myself out a situation that I mentioned in some of the earlier episodes was when I went to my boss's boss about how I felt about leaving the company mm -hmm. I went through so many rounds in my head about how I thought that situation was going to go me getting fired and in the moment the way the person reacted was like oh well that's an easy fix <laughs> <laughs> and you have spent all this time torturing yourself <laughs> Right. And thinking of the worst case scenario, which I do think that you should. Yeah. <laughs> However, it is important to open your mouth and also taking time to understand what you want. This is a very small example, but if you've ever been in a relationship, you ever notice how as the woman, the man is always like, well, what do you want to eat? And usually I think it's because women were indecisive about what we want to eat. We try, we may think like, oh, I just want whatever. And then every place that they may list out, you're like, ah, but I just don't have the taste for that. Or I just <laughs> had that two days ago. <laughs> it's like all this indecisiveness, but it, it all goes back to you just not really knowing like, what it, what is it that I want? And the guy typically is like, girl, just tell me what you want to eat. <laughs> yeah. And that's um, back to like the girlfriend check-in. That was one of the reasons why I wouldn't um, redo 2020 is because I, I felt like I just got so much clarity and it was like, right. It was slightly before quarantine. Um, it's just like things just started becoming so much clearer to me where I was like all my young adulthood I thought I wanted these things but I would have just like compromised on a few of them but then like that year I was more resolute like no I think you really just want these things and it's okay to want them and you know you just have to you know stand firm and the things that you think will be best for your life um but something that you 
said, am I going to remember it? It was an R word rejection. Oh, (laughs) sorry. But yeah, I think rejection is a huge part and why we don't, we don't ask. And one reason why I think I can say, oh, ask for exactly what you want and not, you know, worry about, okay, this person might say no, is because I have experienced rejection in the worst way possible, at least at that time in my life. I am aware that there were like worse ways to be rejected. But um, because I've experienced rejection on such like a, a big scale, I think now I'm a little bit like, oh, well, if they reject me, it can't be as bad as that, you know? And so um, I do think it does take like a comfort level with rejection, which, you know, everybody might not have yet. And hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully your life experiences make you comfortable with that, because then that's me kind of hoping that you experience rejection. And I don't want that. I would not wish that on anybody. But yeah, I do think like, like I said, if there is a rejection that happens, take that as information. Hey, I'm knocking on the wrong doors or, Hey, why did this rejection happen? Can you give me feedback? And then now you have more information with which to move forward. Gotcha. My next lesson that I've learned through becoming an adult is that I should take time to process information and emotions and, or I just don't have to respond to things or give answers on things immediately. And Samaria touched on this briefly in the previous episode. For this lesson, I'd say this would apply for work, school, relationships. Sometimes when you hear something for the first time, your knee-jerk reaction may not necessarily be how you really, really feel about the situation or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And it could be fueled with a lot of emotion. And I've just learned to take a minute, take a day, take however long I need to process the information, maybe even go get more information uh-huh. instead of acting immediately, responding immediately. In one of the earlier episodes, you mentioned that sometimes when people ask you to do things, how like your first reaction? Immediately no. (laughs) Immediately no. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) And I can admit that I can somewhat be that way as well. Maybe, maybe not with everyone, maybe not on every situation, but my mind can go to like, well, man, is this like going to be way more work? Is it going to complicate my life? Is it going to cause more drama? Like I can just jump to being a bit more pessimistic than necessary. And usually if I give myself time, I do feel differently. Not every time, but Sometimes I do feel differently. Also, if there are a lot of emotions involved, it gives you a chance to process it and make sure that that's how you really feel before you go communicating in a certain way or certain things that you can't necessarily take back once it's put out there. So yeah, that's something that I've learned throughout adulthood. And that's been helpful for me, not only in my professional life, but also in my personal relationships, Uh where I'm not so quick to just be spitfire and respond immediately. I just give myself time. And on most things, it's not even a rush. Like no one's putting that pressure on you. I think we sometimes put that pressure on ourselves to respond quickly, quickly, right away. More, most, most times than not, the person's like cool with you just taking a minute or taking time. And, you know, it's just something that we may be putting on ourselves. And I've learned to just be I guess be more patient in my responses yeah I like that you said to like also process emotions um it made me think of like sometimes people say like oh this was an emotional decision and they make it into like this negative thing but um as you were talking I was just thinking like yeah you need to process emotions because sometimes you do need to make decisions based off of emotions you know and so you have to weigh it out like hey are like my emotions more important in this particular instance than other other factors and if so then yeah it's okay to make a decision based on those emotions but like you said taking a break and being like okay let me like think everything through (laughs) before I like make that move I think is definitely beneficial but yeah I just wanted to say that because I strongly dislike when people are like oh 
that's an emotional decision. Yeah, well, sometimes those emotions are valid and they're more valid than whatever other opportunity was on the line. So yeah, just something to consider. (laughs) During that time that you're taking, you're still factoring in your emotions, I think. Mm -hmm. You just may be gathering more information, giving it more time, and it may confirm the original emotions that you were feeling. Yeah. Or, you know, you could be like, okay, I was, I was tripping a little bit, you know, (laughs) like I could... (laughs) I cannot like make this decision based on how I felt in that moment because, you know, I, I might have jumped the gun a little bit. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think processing emotions. And I'll say that Samaria and I have had those moments in our friendships where things have happened in our lives. And we're like, girl, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> like, right. am I tripping? <laughs> right. I love it. I love when uh, like you call it, you're like, OK, I'm going to tell you this. And you let me know if I'm bugging. And I'm like, okay, I love those moments. Um. I know. But yeah, we've we've definitely shared those moments. And not to say that you'd call your friends with every single thing that's happening. But I think in our dynamic and friendships, like, I'd be like, nah, Samaria girl, you doing the most or no, you shouldn't feel this way. And vice versa. Yes. Just to kind of balance things out Mm -hmm. and that that also is a part of taking time if you do have that dynamic with a friend. Yes. And you know what? So that kind of brings me to my next thing. And it is uh, to trust your intuition. I know sometimes that's risky because it's like, okay, it's not based on fact, but sometimes like there are things like underlying that just don't sit right with you. And because of that, like, you know, you're, you're like, I, I think I need to make this particular move, but then you're not sure because you're like, oh, there might not be a, like anything, like any hard evidence on this thing, but yeah, um, trust your intuition. I remember, um, specifically like a friendship and I, I just felt like this person was maybe not meant for me <laughs> as a friend. And it was like little things, you know? And so I felt the way that I felt, but I don't think I was confident enough in how I was feeling to make the decision to remove this person from my life. And so I asked like several people who they might not have been like the closest people, like they weren't like Yosha, but they were older. And so I was like, okay, they're older and they're wiser. But I felt like when I asked them as neutral parties, you know, should they, they were like, okay, I think you should consider these things. Or to me, it felt like they weren't getting the full picture, but being like younger and not as confident in what I thought I needed to do. I was like, okay, well, they said this, so I need to stick it out with this person and see if things will get better. And just like trust their voice more than I trust mine in a sense, because they're older, more experienced or whatever. But I was the one in the situation and, you know, I needed to trust my intuition. It said, hey, this isn't a friendship for you. And I should have like listened to that. So I understand firsthand, you know, that it's, it's difficult to have confidence in your own decisions or in your own like intuition, especially when, you know, you're like new to certain experiences, but just like take time to listen to yourself for real, because other people might not see the circumstance that you're in, or they're not living in it. So they can't really get the full picture. Only you can. So yeah, trust your intuition. To add to that as well, you may be can't always put it into words or explain your intuition. Yeah. You maybe don't have all the receipts. Mm -hmm. You just feel it. And I think as you get older and progress into womanhood, you start to be more okay with maybe not having all the receipts, all the details, all the explanations as to why you feel in your gut about something. I actually had this conversation with my husband a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. in that I've had different things that have happened in my life where I couldn't explain why or how I felt that way. Yeah. And it always ends up working out to where I end up listening to that voice. Now that I'm older, I don't even question it. Like if I'm feeling something, I can't explain it. I don't know why. (laughs) He probably thinks I'm crazy, (laughs) but I don't have to explain it all the time. And have the words, I just know that feeling and I just trust it and I listen to it. Yes. It's like, as you become more self-aware, it's like, I know I'm not tripping about this. Like, I know I'm seeing 
what I'm seeing and I don't need to question that anymore. And I know it's not going to work out for me because I'm so much more aware of who I am as a person. And um, my newest friend, this, the girl who I met on Instagram, if you've been following the podcast and you listen to our very first episode, uh, Making New Friends as an Adult, I mentioned like this girl that I, I met on Instagram. So we went for a walk one day and that was one of the things that we were talking about. It's just like meeting people or getting into situations and feeling like I don't have a good feeling about this particular thing and I might need to see my way out. And then questioning that and staying a little bit longer and then it never, it never works out. So just like becoming more confident in your intuition being like, I need to make this decision for me because it's clearly not a match for me as a person. So yeah. My next lesson kind of goes along the same lines, it's similar to trusting your intuition. But one of the lessons that I've learned as I've grown into adulthood is to not make major life decisions to appease other people. Mm. And part of that is just trusting your own intuition and feelings, but not wanting to impress, please people, just making big life decisions to make other people happy. Mm. And I'd also say I'm not talking about spouses or children because I think those relationship dynamics are slightly different. I think that you just have to maneuver through those situations based off of whatever is going on at that time. But I'm more so talking about extended people and extended relationships. I think it was in the episode Set Those Boundaries, Sis, where we talked about how when you don't have boundaries, it can be easy to go through life adjusting or doing certain things based off of other people maybe not respecting the boundaries that you have in place and that it'd be unfortunate to go through life making big decisions for other people and it's still your life at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. You really only have one life to live. Even when it comes, I, I personally think to children and spouses that there even still needs to be a balance of, hey, I have these close personal relationships, but I still am like an independent person. I'm just because I have a spouse or children, that doesn't mean that like my whole life just evaporates in terms of what I want and what I need. And so Samaria, I wanted to ask you, (laughs) not that you have to give an example of a situation where a person has done this, Mm -hmm. but have you ever seen where people maybe have certain expectations or they want people to do certain things. It's just not what you feel like that person wants for themselves. And do you think that the person who's expecting these things, do you think that they really expect the person (laughs) to make major life decisions for them? Just to make sure I understand. So um, use me as an example. So if someone else has expectations of what I should do, do they really expect me to make my decisions based off of their expectations? As if Mm -hmm. I'm not a whole person on my own. Okay. I just want to make sure I understood. Yeah. Or just anyone. Yeah. And an example of this would be, and I think we may have all seen this where you'll see older people like you, you should have more kids. Ah, okay. Or you sure you don't want to go back and get a graduate degree? (laughs) Another one could be, well, why are you living there? Why don't you go live over here? I'm not talking about what drink you're ordering at Starbucks. Major life decisions. Yeah, so I'm actually um, in the midst of one of those right now. So I don't know if I'm at liberty to discuss this. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I forgot. No, no, no. (laughs) But yes, I actually have seen that. (laughs) Funny, you should bring that up. Yes. And um, I think for me, it's like one thing if the person is pointing to specific like negative behaviors or like, you know, um, you know, negative traits and saying, hey, watch out for that. So that's one thing. And if you're someone who's close to me, then I absolutely have to listen, you know, at least to your perspective and at least investigate it more like, okay, are these traits that this person's mentioning really negative? Like, are they things that could impact my life or not? Um, so yeah, there's a difference in somebody saying, oh, you know, this person is exhibiting negative behaviors and 
I'm scared because in the in the long run, it's going to affect you versus, oh, I just don't like the color of that person's shoes or that person's voice sounds funny or, you know, whatever, um, mm-hmm. things that aren't concrete. So, yeah, I do. I have experienced that. Um and I think it's worthwhile to like, just know, know thyself <laughs> and, you know, just be able to say, okay, there's a reason why I'm at this job. There's a reason why I'm with this person. There's a reason why I'm in this environment. And if those things, like if my being in that environment, um, isn't negatively impacted by whatever this person is doing, then, you know, I might not take that advice. Yeah. So I asked that because I noticed that I try not to give advice or opinions on major life decisions mm-hmm. because I just feel like e- even as a parent or as a sibling, we all have our own individual lives and I would just feel an immense amount of pressure if I was like, oh, Samaria, you need to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. You need to move California, whatever that thing might be, for whatever reason, if it doesn't work out. And I know people can say, oh, well, it's her decision at the end of the day. There are certain people in our lives who have a certain authority or we value their opinion. Right. It holds weight. It it holds weight. And I've just been wondering if when people ask certain things, give certain advice, if they're really expecting for people to follow it and what all comes along with that. I'm going to say that the more I've thought on it, I think people just be talking. I think a lot of it is just saying their piece. I don't know if they really expect for people to take their advice at face value and Mm. make these big decisions. I just think they just want to talk. They just want to say it because it needs to be, they feel like it needs to be said. And what I will say is depending on the delivery and what's being said, yeah. If they call out certain things and it seems well thought out, then I'd be like, Hmm, they really are thinking about like how massive this decision is and how it like truly impacts me but I will say this if (laughs) I'm going to use a a professional example but if you say to me hey uh, don't take this job that's in a good location that pays you better that you know furthers your career don't take that because of this and I don't take that and I'm not seeing like the fruits of the decision that you told me to make you just better be prepared (laughs) okay (laughs) to accept the responsibility like I don't want you saying oh well it was your decision I wanted you to know you had a whole lot to say about me like accepting that position and so now that like I'm in a worse position than I would have been and I'm staring at you you looking at me I'm staring back at you like um you better be willing to accept full responsibility for the way that you steered me. And I know like ultimately it it falls on the shoulders of the person who made the decision. So um, a part of me is just saying that jokingly, but also um, you need to bear that burden because if you had a lot to say about that decision and about like influencing me one way or the other, I I need you to at least accept responsibility when things don't go well. And I don't think that most people do or want to or like they don't they don't want that smoke (laughs) okay (laughs) that's why like I I'm just very mindful of advice or you know when someone's making a certain decision I may keep it very high level and Mm. I know that if it's like close family close friends emotions can be high on certain things yes but I'm just I'm just very mindful of that. And yeah, just I I've just learned that if it's a major life decision that you have to lean inward first. Yeah. And, you know, aside children and spouse aside, lean inward, you be willing to hold whatever burden or what may become of that decision. Because most people will not be standing in to carry the weight with you. Period. Um, okay, so my my next lesson that I've learned is that there is no one right path or timeline. And um, hopefully we'll get into this like a little bit more with some of the episodes that we have planned um, in the coming weeks. But I think we're socialized to expect that certain things will happen at the same time as other people. For example, right? Like if you 
went to middle school with a group of people and you guys all go to the same high school as a result of, you know, just being in the same area, you're all expected to get your permits at the same time. And then you're all expected to get like your license around the same time. You all graduate about the same time. For the most part, you guys might like go off to college at the same time. And so I think like, because, you know, we kind of do things around the same times as the people who we grow up with. We, when we get to our like twenties and our thirties and things are vastly different, it's kind of a shock. It's like, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. So we graduated at the same time. We should be like doing this or settling down around the same time. Or, you know, if, if they're doing these types of things in their life, then maybe I'm behind because I'm not doing those things. And so I think like, even though that's not going to change like the high school and all, everybody doing things on the, about the same timeline, that's not going to change. But I think like there needs to be some type of a shift, or at least people need to talk about it more. Uh, and when I say people, I don't mean like internet people. I think just like people in close quarters, like families need to talk about this more or like close friend groups need to talk about this more because yeah I think we grow up to think okay when this person's doing this like when this person's getting married I should probably be not too far behind or if this person is like reaching their peak in their career then I should as well but it doesn't work like that like you know uh, when I graduated college, the dreams that I had then are not the dreams that I had now. So I've had to go back to school a few times. And, you know, sure, there are probably people who graduated college about the same time who are making a whole lot more money. But, you know, like, who's to say that whatever path I'm on might not lead to like groundbreaking things in the future. But um, yeah, we don't all have to pop at the same time. Uh, so I think that's a, a lesson that people just I think people know it, but it sucks when you're the person who's like, quote unquote, behind. And that's when it becomes hard to accept this. <laughs> so. We are socialized as well as I think we've normalized the pressure mm-hmm. in terms of other people putting it on each other. Yeah. And so this is something that we know, but I regularly hear people questioning people on like, well, when are you doing this? And when are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Or why hasn't this happened? And not necessarily always in a negative way, even jokingly, or just under the guise of checking in with you. So it all seems very harmless. But I think it just adds to the pressure. Because if you think of all the people you know, in your immediate circle, or just outside of your immediate circle, you know, especially certain times of the year, certain events, certain things that happen, people want to know, well, what have you been up to? Mm-hmm. And it can be easy to feel like you're behind or that you're missing out on something Yes, when certain things just haven't transpired or your path is different. And then even though they're asking from maybe just a curious place, you may feel like you're having to explain your your life's timeline and I think when you are that person who you may feel like okay well this and this hasn't happened or it's happened differently Mm -hmm. what I've noticed in different social interactions is a lot of times those people don't necessarily return the questions they just kind of go along to get along instead of saying in that moment or explaining like it may not be the right thing for you to be asking me why I'm not married yet or why I don't have kids or why I'm still in school. Oh, you're still at that job. Oh, you haven't been promoted yet. (laughs) You know, the funny things. um, (laughs) Well, so a few years ago, like around Thanksgiving, these memes came out and uh, it was like, um, auntie, oh, when are you going to settle down? And then like the niece would say, uh, well, when is your husband going to settle down <laughs> from chasing these women? <laughs> like, like Thanksgiving comebacks. I forget what they called them. Um, maybe it was Thanksgiving comebacks, but like that type of thing. I was watching this couple on YouTube. Um, they have a podcast and I was like watching it and they've been um, struggling to uh, conceive and uh, they I think have been married for eight years and might have been one of like the first couples in their group to get married. And so it's like over the years, everybody's had children. 
and they have it. And so like, you, re- you really never know what people are going through. So those questions like you might think are harmless, but they're actually not. Or even comments like um, they said somebody came up to them and was like, man, I'm just so glad you, know, you guys waited to have kids. And they were like, what do you say to that? Like, and the guy was like, I just kind of had to be like, yeah, man, you, you gotta wait. You just gotta wait. It's like, what do you say? What do you say, you know? And it's like, hey, I'm not doing this on purpose, but people just like make assumptions uh, about where you are. You know what I would do? those first and this is just I think the petty of me (laughs) I just got so tired of people even though it was from a good place asking me when are you having a baby when are you having a baby baby Mm -hmm. baby baby and I just started responding with real wild answers (laughs) oh lord what were you saying to those people (laughs) (laughs) I mean I won't say on the podcast but it just, it's such a sensitive topic and it's private. It's normalized to talk about it out in the open, but it's like, do you really expect me and my person to explain our timeline to you, no matter what's yeah. going on? It's weird. So I just started giving wild answers and people stopped asking as much. You know, what's so funny is that, you know, when people think like, oh, this is the right path, they kind of like project that on you. So two things I remember. So like women in my immediate family have always like gotten married young. Uh, And when I say young, I mean like early to mid twenties. (laughs) So yeah, young. And uh, I remember watching Wendy Williams years ago and she was saying something like, oh no, enjoy your twenties. Your, um, your thirties can be for marriage and whatever else. And I was like, huh, what a concept. Like, you know, you don't have to do it in this time frame because everybody else has done it. So that was one thing. And then the other thing that I heard recently was like, um, uh, these people who I also watch on YouTube. Yes. Y'all be watching YouTube. <laughs> I know Samaria and I are YouTube junkies. Yeah. Sometimes YouTube is more interesting than Netflix. Y'all it's just is what it is but um I was watching YouTube and uh these people were saying like we just realized that not everybody wants to buy a house and I think for them like when they were growing up it was just the thing to do so they hadn't realized hey not everybody aspires to have that Mm -hmm. and that's okay but yeah for them it was weird so like you're you might be over here like oh they ain't got no house yet (laughs) they this age and they don't have a house and they're like nor do I want one you know so you just never know what people's um own goals and own journeys like are yeah and things are always evolving depending on your circle and obviously our parents generation they're older and who's asking the questions or who's expecting certain things Mm -hmm. our lives are similar but different yes and I think that that's just important to keep in mind you know as far as timelines uh you know with each generation things will change and for us we we've taken different paths I think just because our young adulthood was kind of pre-mapped in the expectation like we're all going to college Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like these same people who may be asking and expecting certain things and it's like well if you were really asking and expecting that then when would you have had time to do that if you spent the first call it five we'll call it if you graduate early four but five to six years in undergrad yeah would you have time to even do those things that's why I really respect um I don't know if it's a new model of parenting, but where it's like, okay, I'm going to listen to what my kid um, wants and like, like wants to do and wants to accomplish in life and see, okay, is college the thing that they need? Now, I don't know if I'm there yet um, as an African. I don't know if I'm, I'm there yet. You know, I might be like, okay, give me these, give, give me these four years. And then we can definitely look into like developing what you want while you're doing your degree. But I, I do- I- I'd say this is a work in progress <laughs> for me. Who me? Yeah. I don't. I was You're just out here getting a whole, working on it, but you know what? Maybe you're out here getting a whole PhD, girl. <laughs> and that's why I, I. That's why I think I'm the best person to give this advice because mm-hmm. I've done so much education and I like understand it's necessary. So for me and what I want to accomplish. It's absolutely necessary, but it might not be necessary for the next person to get a master's degree and then go and get a PhD. Like why? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just like worthwhile to listen to um, 
your own dreams, like what you want to do and whether or not you need school to accomplish that. But anyway, the degree that I'm talking about is a bachelor's. I might just be like, you need to at least do that because you you just, you need to do that. I will get to all the reasons right now, but I do have reasons. Anyway, <laughs> I do respect the new model of parenting. That's like, oh, I want to listen to what my kids are interested in, because even if they are like, oh, I want to go to college, you can help to steer them in the way of their interests and like come up with a plan on how to make money doing the things that they're interested in if that's you know the path for them so yeah cool cool well my last lesson that I've learned as I've transitioned into adulthood is to be responsible with money in your youth slash young adulthood and one thing that I've noticed as I've gotten older is that I think young people And when I say young people, I'm referencing from age 18 to call it 24. They're encouraged to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. You only live once. YOLO. (laughs) (laughs) Do it while you're young. You don't have as many responsibilities. There's a lot of talk around just living life in the moment. And Mm -hmm. while I think that that is true and it does have a certain place, I think when it comes to money, finances, credit, I think some of that messaging can do a disservice to young people. And I can say that this may not necessarily be a lesson that I've learned, but more so a revelation that I've had as I've gotten older. And so the way that I was raised and what my parents instilled in me, I feel like I've always had a pretty good relationship with money and being disciplined and saving and being aware of my credit. However, as I've gotten older and I've been able to do certain things, I've realized that, wow, the things I was doing a decade ago mm-hmm. have had a major impact in what I'm able to do or not do right now. I think the broader lesson is that things in your young adulthood in terms of finances and money or really anything can lay the foundation for the next decade or two. And that's not to say that if you make a mistake, you go a different direction that it just ruins. Yeah. Not that it ruins your life. I just don't think that in my young adulthood, I was thinking about all the pieces in the building blocks of what I was doing with money mm-hmm. and how it would affect what I'm doing now. So that's why I'd say it's more of like a revelation um, in that I didn't, I can't say that I've experienced major financial hardship, but it just wasn't explained to me in great detail until later in life when I started thinking about buying a house, buying a car, moving certain things that you just may not think about. I mean, if you're if you're fortunate, maybe you're thinking about those things young. I know that I wasn't. Yeah, and I'll just give a quick example. This is something that seems very small, but apparently it matters. So whenever I went to go purchase my first home, especially after 2008, they take every piece of information except for a blood sample. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They do. And um, yeah, so I go to go purchase my first home. I don't think it was just because it was um, was a first time home buyer. I just think the lenders have become uh, much more stringent about who they're lending to, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they run your credit. And I remember them calling me and asking me about a cell phone line that I had with Verizon. Now, keep in mind, this was college. Okay. Right. Here we are seven years later. Now, at the time I closed the line back then, if you wanted to switch carriers, you had to pay like a $300 fee so you could move on to a different carrier. And so for whatever reason, my Verizon line just would not work at my parents' house. I had bad signal. So I paid the fee. I closed it. And they were like, oh, why'd you close that account? And I'm like, are y'all really asking me about a cell, a phone, cell phone that I got? Literally, it was like seven, eight years before. Mm-hmm. It was while I was in college. That was the first time I really realized like, wow, these things really do have a long lasting effect. And so I would just encourage 
any young people, young women to be mindful of the decisions that they're making in terms of their finances, their credit, because it really does act as the building blocks for what you're able to do or not do when you get to your 30s and 40s. Yeah, Um, there's this um, video going viral. I think it's like four years old, but it is of Jill Scott. And um, she gives a similar piece of advice to what you just said. And she's like, you know, be pay attention to what you do in your in your young years, <laughs> because like, you know, you are encouraged to just like be carefree and like live life. But she's like, your your 20s are for working hard. Your 30s are for working smart. And then your 40s are for working whenever you want to. But yeah, she was just giving that advice to be careful and be mindful of the decisions that you make and the long term effects that they have. Um, like Nosha said, in different areas of your life life but I just wanted to add like health um Mm -hmm. is one like how you're like eating um not drinking enough water like those are things that could impact you in the long run um not sleeping enough like just yeah so those things matter and it's hard to do because when you're young you feel like you're gonna live forever you feel vibrant I could bounce back from everything everything. (laughs) yeah and uh, then you get to 30s and those knees start Start oh, shaking. I'm no sorry, more I'm Meg. Not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> no more Meg the Stallion knees. Um, and I think that that's a beautiful thing, being in that moment and enjoying it, but also having balance. Yeah, and, and that's something that I realized that I was kind of doing just because of the way I was raised and mm-hmm. the people that I had around me. But now that I'm older, I have reflected like, man, if I wasn't doing certain things or if I was running up a bunch of credit card bills, this could be the deciding factor on the things that I have in my life now. And it kind of sucks that when you're young, you're 18, they're like, hey, here's a credit card. Here's all this money and student loans. Like people, they're giving people literally mortgages of student loans. Tempting you. Mm -hmm. Yes. They're not telling you that, hey, 10 years from now, when you maybe want to establish yourself and do certain things, experience certain things, that these things you did way back then could affect that. You're like, but that's school is behind me. I've been done. And they're like, yeah. No, you're not. And also, um, we've talked about like, you know, kind of the people who you surround yourself with. But I remember, I think I might have been like 18, 19. And my friend Jessica was like 25. And she purchased her first home. And I thought that was such a commendable thing. I was like, oh, that's what's up. Like, that's something that I need to look into because I'm now in a position where I can start working. And why can't I, you know, get my own house? Just because like home ownership was something that I I wanted for um, a a lot of reasons. But um, (laughs) it was something that would have benefited me and that has benefited me. But anyway, like seeing her, so she was a few years older than me, but she was my friend. So I think it's helpful to even have people who like are older than you, but not like 20 years. Like, I think we tend to think, oh, the people who are 20 years older than us have all the wisdom, but you know, she's, I want to say like five to seven years older than me and um, somewhere in between there. And she was doing these things and that really inspired me. And, you know, later on about the same age, I made that same decision. So, uh, yeah, so I think it's useful to have people who are a little bit older than you, who are like closer to your experiences. So maybe they're a little bit more relatable who can help mm-hmm. like guide you through these things or, you know, who are just living their own lives and being dope. And then you can follow along in their footsteps because you're seeing good examples. All right. So that concludes part two of lessons we've learned as adults. Again, if you haven't checked out part one, please go ahead and do that. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Girlfriends and Goals podcast. If you have not subscribed already, please go ahead and do that now. And if you love what you've heard, make sure to leave us a five-star review. Also, our time together does not have to end here. You've heard our thoughts on this topic, but we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at Girlfriends and Goals Podcast, where we'll continue this conversation throughout the next week. Until next time, bye. Bye.